0: Good morning, morning. that was good, y'all are awake this morning, yeah, (laughs) coffee's kicking in. So as Jason said, we're going to discuss more of the nature of the church, and um, I got a pretty good uh, passage this time, and uh, we're going to talk about, and I call it, the wall comes down. So we're going to discuss Ephesians 2. Chapter 2, 11 through 22. And I'm going to read that first, and then, uh, then we'll pray, and then I'll kind of break it down, and, and uh, we'll kind of go through it verse by verse. <clears throat> and I have to have these. It says, Therefore, remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, or the Jews, with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the spirit. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you today. We praise you, father. And, um, we just pray that we will, as a church, honor and glorify your name in all things that we do. Help us to grow. Help us to love one another. And, Father, I just pray that the words that I speak today are not my own, but they're yours, Lord. I just pray that they will uh, fall on attentive ears and, and uh, that, Lord, your word would be engraved in the hearts of these people that are here today. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> So have you ever felt like you've been excluded from something? Uh, Maybe you didn't make the team, or maybe it was a a club you wanted to join, but, you know, they excluded you. Maybe it's a group of so-called friends. I hear this from teenagers all the time. You know, I didn't make the, I'm not in the clique, I'm not in the group. You know, I'm excluded from that. But what about the ultimate rejection, separation from Christ? As I just read, this is where the Gentiles were at that time. We're all sinners and we all deserve death, but God reached His hand out through the cleansing blood of Christ to bring us into His family. And uh, I don't think I've ever told this story before, and it, it's a, it's a story of exclusion. And uh, Al can probably speak to this. <laughs> I was in uh, I was on a hunt one time uh, in Alabama, and uh, I was out with the outfitter, and and the little town is Fawnsdale, and Fawnsdale, Alabama is just a little ways west of Selma. Anybody that remembers the 60s and the Civil Rights Movement or has studied it in school knows a lot of the stuff that went on in Selma, Alabama. People died because they were trying to bring race relations to the point where it needed to be. So anyway, I was out with the outfitter, and we were wandering around, and he was showing me his property, and he was so proud of it. And he said, well, we need to run into town. I need to get some feed at the feed store. Now, Fonsdale is about the size of this church parking lot. I mean, it's a small little town. Maybe it's got a few more things in Painesville, but not much. Feed store. And it's also got a little, little uh, restaurant there, you know, where all the local farmers go. I mean, you know, we've all seen these around here. So we go in there and we sit down and we order a burger and fries and there's other people in there and They're kind of looking at me because I'm not from around there, you know. But I'm with the guy that is, so everything's good. So a young black man walks in, and everybody just stares at him, including the guy I'm with. And he sits down at a table by himself, and he sits there, and he sits there, and he sits there. And I see the waitress over there, and I'm starting to kind of get the vibe of what's going on. And I see her standing over there kind of against the counter looking at him like this. So, eventually, she does go over and take his order. He orders his burger and fries. And everybody just kind of stares at him. And then I see the guy that I'm sitting with looking at him. And he says, in a loud voice, what he doesn't understand is he don't belong here. Well, (coughs) I'm looking for the place to crawl under the table. You know, I understand racism. I've lived around it. I've been around it. That overt racism to say, because of how he looks, he doesn't belong there. That guy was a nice young man, well-dressed, obviously some sort of professional man. And I thought to myself, you know, <laughs> sometime later, I should have said something, first of all, and but I didn't, so shame on me. But I thought, how many people that I'm looking at sitting here go to church every Sunday and... Pray the same prayers that I pray, read the same Bible I do, but have that attitude. And you could tell the guy, he ate his hamburger and fries real fast, out the door he went. So that's the exclusion that we see sometimes. And when we talk about the Gentiles, that's, that's kind of the place they were in at that time. So if you would look at Ephesians chapter 2, 11 and 12. Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So the Gentiles' former identity, they were spiritually unclean, defiled in the eyes of God, excluded from citizenship, in the covenant family, strangers to the covenant promise, the uncircumcised, without hope. If you look at, uh, and, and I'm going to go through a lot of scriptures. Don't try to keep up. Uh, just if you want to write down the scriptures, because because I'm going to go through a lot today. So if you just want to write them down, I'll I'll give you time to do that. But if you start flipping pages, you're going to get you're going to get in trouble. <laughs> So, listen to Isaiah 52:1. It says, "Awake, awake, put on your strength, O Zion; put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city; for there shall no more come into you the uncircumcised and the unclean." This was a promise to God's covenant people that Israel would no longer be invaded by the Gentiles. They don't want anything to do with them. And it's kind of like Jason said, "You know, I have a lot of Scottish heritage in me too." We were not real good friends with the English at, back in history. Um, we didn't really want anything to do with them. The Jewish people didn't want anything to do with the people that were not part of the Jewish community, that were outside. Gentiles is everybody else except the Jews. Even Jesus, when we look at Matthew ten five and 6, says that they had just listed the 12 disciples, and then Jesus' first instructions to them. It says, These twelve Jesus sent out instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Well, that doesn't sound like the Jesus that we talk about all the time. But when you look at this in context, the message had to go to the Jews first before it went to the Gentiles. So even though Jesus said, Hey, don't, don't, don't even go through their towns Salvation is going to be coming. And in Romans 1.16, which most people can quote, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, the Jew first, and then to the Greek or the Gentile. So we're part of it. It's coming, but it's not there yet. If you look at Jesus' ministry, there were a lot of people that were, that were non Jewish people that he dealt with, that he healed, that he performed miracles on. Um, the Canaanite woman came and said, Hey, heal my daughter. And, and Jesus healed her daughter. Uh, the, the Roman centurion came and he came to Jesus and he said, You know, my servant's sick. Would you, would you heal my servant? And Jesus said, Sure, I'll, I'll come and heal your servant. And he said, No, Lord, just speak it and I know that he'll be healed. And he did. Um, Now, these people didn't really understand he was the Messiah, but they understood he was a man of power, that he could do these things. So Jesus told his disciples after that, he said, I haven't seen this kind of faith among my own people. So, you know, this man had faith that Jesus could do what Jesus, he knew Jesus could do this. And then in Matthew 8, 11, he told his disciples, he says, I tell you, Many will come from east and west, that's from all over, not just the Jewish nation, and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. So he's he's laying that foundation out now for the disciples. They're going to start understanding that, yeah, we're going to the Jews first, but it's a whole lot more than that. We're going to to share the gospel with everyone. Look at Ephesians 2.13. It says... But now, in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Those first two words, but now, you know, is, are so powerful because, you know, Paul's just laid out your deplorable condition here. What a, what a mess you got. You guys have no hope. You have no hope. But now, because of Christ, you have salvation. So listen to Isaiah. In light of what this says, listen to Isaiah 53, 5 and 6. It's another familiar verse, I'm sure, to you. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. With his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So when you look at that in the light of the New Testament, we see, you know, they're talking about, God's talking about everybody. If you would, we'll have you turn to one. Turn to Daniel 7, and we'll read 13 and 14. I'll give you a second to get there. are turning. I love it. Chapter 13 says, or verse 13 says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. Jesus referred to himself as the son of man, More times than anything else in the New Testament. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. We talk about the Old Testament pointing to Jesus from Genesis on. There's, and that's a whole another series, um, and it also, if you if you read through the Old Testament, it also points to salvation for everyone. Sometimes we think, well, how did the Jews miss this? Because God specifically says all through the Old Testament, salvation will come to everyone, to all, not just the Jews. So through Christ, Ephesians two fourteen and 15, let's read that. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Christ made us one, children, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, So making peace. We'll stop there. Christ has destroyed the barrier. He's fulfilling the Old Testament law, both the ceremonial law and the moral law. The ceremonial law stood as a barrier between the Jews and Gentiles. It preserved Israel's unique identity as God's people and was intended to keep them holy. So God brought, as his covenant people, he was teaching them how to be holy, teaching them the law, so that they would understand right and wrong. And that's, that was, that's why he brought that through the Jews. The moral law demands punishment for sin. Christ took that punishment on himself. God can't stand sin. Sin has to be punished. And Christ took that for us. Look at verses 16 and 17. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. All these, all these hundreds of years of hostility between the Jews and everybody else, the Gentiles, he's killed this hostility. <clears throat> and he came and preached peace to you who were far off, that's us, and peace to those who were near, the Jews. <clears throat> Christ came to reconcile both Jew and Gentile to God through his atoning work on the cross, Satisfying God's divine justice and wrath, God is holy and he must punish sin. Look at verse 18. For through him, Jesus, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So the veil is torn. The wall is torn down. The wall is broken down. In Esther... (laughs) And, and some of you remember the story of Esther, <coughs> excuse me, how she saved her people, the Jewish people, through her relationship with King Xerxes. I'm not going to go into that whole story. But listen to what it says in 4.11. It says, All the king's servants and the people of king's providences know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is what but one law, to be put to death, except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter so that he may live. But as for me, she said, I have not been called to come into the king these 30 days. So what's that mean? If you look at these verses, the wall's down. Now we can come to the Father without fear of death. Remember, even with the Jews, if they went into the Holy of Holies, they died. You can't, they could not look upon the face of God without dying. So it, it's, God has extended that golden scepter through Christ to us. And we can come to him now without fear of death. And uh, we can boldly approach the throne. <clears throat> it says in Hebrews four, fourteen through 16, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then draw with confidence or with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need through Christ. We can come to the throne. We don't have to worry about being put to death. We don't have to, we don't have to make an appointment. We can pray right now. We can talk to God anytime that we want to. We have that through Christ. We have that ability. The people of the Gentiles at the time, when, when, Paul talked about this, and talking about the wall coming down, they understood a little more probably than we do about what that meant. If you looked at the construction of the Jewish temple back in the day, it was a series of courtyards, and each courtyard had a wall around it. So when you came up to the first wall, this outer courtyard was the courtyard of the Gentiles and the unclean Jews. They could not pass through the door into the next courtyard. And on the walls were inscriptions that said, pass through here and die. I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty straightforward. You are a Gentile. You could come and you could worship whatever business you had, but you could not go in past that. So when Paul talks about the walls torn down, they understood what that meant. The walls literally been torn down. There is no wall. No barrier between ourselves and God. But also, no barrier between us as fellow believers, no matter whether it's Ramsey Creek Church or Church Up the Road. If we are in the body of Christ, there should be no walls and no separations for any of us. Paul says in Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, and this is, this is kind of our blueprint. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, we just read that, one (coughs) Spirit, just as you were called to the hope, one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Look at the last verses, Ephesians two nineteen through 22. So then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God, by the Spirit. So as we read this, we see we have, uh, we have kingdom rights as citizens. We are citizens now, so we have rights. You become a citizen of the United States, you have certain rights. Now, we can argue about how many of those are getting taken away, but, but, but our rights are Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. We shouldn't be anxious. You know, we, we fret and go on right now about the upcoming election. You know, we could, we could go. I'm not going there, but yeah, I know it's a mess. But it, t- it tells us don't be anxious about anything. You know, we serve a higher power. We're, we're kingdom citizens. Yeah, I'm a citizen of the United States, but I'm a kingdom citizen first. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He will take care of our needs. He's not going to take care of our wants. Sometimes we're not going to understand how this all works out, but it's God's plan, and his ways are not our ways, and his thoughts are not our thoughts. We're not only citizens, though, but we're full heirs, family, with all of the rights and privileges of sonship. When we... uh, when we went and got my grandson Kai from China, um, you know, he was adopted and, and all the paperwork was done. And the paperwork for citizenship, when, he, when that plane touched down in the United States, he was a citizen of the United States. But he was also a son. He was a grandson. So it was, it was, a, it was a really neat thing to think about that now he is a citizen of the United States. Romans eight sixteen and 17 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and of children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we also may be glorified with him. We don't really like the suffering part at the end of that. But what what inheritance do we have? We, we're kingdom citizens. We have inherited God's mercy and grace in our lives when we come to him. we We are part of the family we are all part of the family so we're being built into a holy temple it says with the apostles and the prophets as our foundation and with Christ as the cornerstone so we need to appreciate the worth of fellow Christians whether it's in this church or whether it's in the world somewhere else it would not hinder the building process. Remember, it says we're being built into a holy temple. We, haven't, we are not a complete construction job yet. And it, I said, you know, have you ever felt like you had little to offer in service of God? Um, I think sometimes we, we tend to do that. We look around. We see what everybody else is doing. But in 1 Corinthians 3.13, Paul's talking about the parts of the body But in that verse, he says, On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. So no matter what your role is in this church, if you're a part of this body of believers, you are indispensable to God. We're still under construction. We're being built up in maturity individually and as a church. Brick by brick is the way I like to think about it. As we study God's word and we disciple each other, we're, we're laying those bricks. When we don't treat each other in a manner worthy of God's calling, we tear down the temple instead of building it up. So I always think about a building process, and if you're laying brick, you have to have a good foundation. We have a good foundation on the apostles and prophets. Christ is the cornerstone. It's very important when you lay that next course of brick that it's it's level and it's plumb. You know, this, this brick building has stood a long time because it was built right to start with. So... That's how we build the temple. Every time we do these things, every time we love one another and we serve one another, we worship, we share the gospel, all these things are laying those bricks. But when we don't do that, when we fight amongst ourselves or or we do these sorts of things that, that don't honor God's word, we start tearing that wall back down a little bit at a time. So I encourage you, don't pull your brick out of the wall. Let's keep laying those, laying those bricks up and building that temple up. When's the temple going to be complete? <clears throat> Philippians 3, 8-12 says, Indeed, Paul says, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake... or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Even Paul, when you think about the ministry of Paul and all the things he did and all the things he suffered for Christ, says himself, not that I have already obtained it. I'm not perfect. I'm still building my temple. I'm still working on it. So even he knows that. <clears throat> if we're going to build something, we need a set of plans. Um, a blueprint, something. You know, if you just go out here and say, okay, we're going to build a brick building. <clears throat> Does anybody know what they're doing? Well, not really, but if you've got plans, you can build a good building, right? <clears throat> so, hearken back to what I read in Ephesians 4, but also Colossians three, twelve and 13. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. This is this is part of our blueprint right here. When we follow God's commands, when we treat each other in this manner, this church, we continue to build up the holy temple. So when are we complete? Philippians 1.6 says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. When Jesus comes again, the temple's complete, and not until then. So, we are called Ecclesia. We are called. We're God's dwelling place in our hearts and in this church. We're his holy temple. That should give you pause to reflect when you think about I'm God's holy temple. Maybe I shouldn't say that. Maybe I shouldn't do that. We're to be salt and light. We're to care for fellow believers. We're to set an example for the world as we share the gospel with the lost. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Christ as Lord and Savior. Or maybe you're a member of this church and and you are a Christian and Satan's going to whisper to you, you don't belong. You don't belong here. Look at all these other people. Look at what they're doing. I can't come to Christ. Look at what I've done. Or maybe you are that Christian. You say, I just don't have much to offer. Remember, you are indispensable in the kingdom of God. So I urge you not to listen to Satan. Satan's a liar and the truth is not in him. When he tells you you don't belong, you do belong. And if if you're feeling that tug at your heart to come to Christ, don't back down. Don't don't sit there in the pew. Make that decision today. God declares, because of Christ's sacrifice on the cross, I'm satisfied. You are my children and I am your God. Christ has provided the way for all of us. All of us. Let's pray. God, we just come to you and we thank you that your way of salvation and your plan included us all along, Lord, that, um, that you desire that, that none perish, Lord, that, that we would all come to you. Father, just, uh, just break our hearts for you. We just pray, Lord, that as a holy temple of this church here at Ramsey Creek, Lord, that we would continue to build in a manner worthy of you. We pray individually, Lord, that we would um, continue to do the same, Lord, that we would not put differences between us, Lord, that we would love each other, all those that claim Christ, Lord, and all those that are followers. There, we are all one, Lord. But there is only one now, and that is all of us together with Christ as our King. Lord, come. If they don't know you, Lord, I just pray that you have planted that I have planted seeds, Lord, that will fall on fertile ground and that you would provide the increase. I just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.